All right, welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, come to you live from a shockingly packed Tuttles here in Hopkins, Minnesota. Uh, the next live shows coming up. Brandon, I'm going to definitely need your help on this. When, when's our next live shows? We have August 24th at Elsie's and no, 30th. August 30th at Kowalski's in Uptown, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, we're going to be doing a live show outside there. But we are absolutely blown away, Anthony and myself. I, I, I just met with, uh, with Jackson, a student over at uh, Starbucks. So I'm like, I'm going to be honest. I don't know how it's coming to this podcast tonight. It's like 80 degrees out. There's literally nothing coming on with the wild. And here we get to Tuttles, and it's beyond packed, the newly renovated Tuttles as well. I never so. doubted it for a minute. I had full faith in our fans. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, so so. Uh, pretty cool. The Wild haven't made a move in like a month, but uh, thanks for coming on out. Uh, training camp is about a month away, a little more than a month away, which is exciting. And uh, and here we are. Uh, big news of the day: jersey patches. Tria, right there on the <laughs> uh, right there on the uh, above the right breast of the Wild jerseys. Are you excited about that? It is. It's very exciting. It's <laughs> uh. <laughs> about as much as I got on that. Yeah, um, but it is funny. Like you know what I was shocked about. So I put it on Twitter today that they're doing this, and this is. The Wild are like the first team to announce their what they've sold, and they got a pretty, they got a handsome sum, I'm told for it, and they sold it to Tria. It's right now pretty difficult because the way I understand it is that in baseball they're doing this as well, and they're selling for 2023. Heather in the back could probably confirm this, and um, and so right now you have all these teams that are trying, like 65, trying to sell million dollar types of patches on jerseys, and the Wild somehow uh, got it done. Um, but I was shocked at like the the reaction from fans today, like being disgusted with it. And if I was a wild fan, any way of increasing league revenue right now is a good thing because maybe uh, the HRR will go up. Where all of a sudden the Wild's cap that is twelve seven less than everybody is going to go a little. What was the the? They were upset because it's turning yeah, into NASCAR, yeah, yeah, like, like patches it's not, everywhere. It's not going to be. They're not turning this into like you know. You go to Germany or Austria or Switzerland and you look at those jerseys. It's not going to be like that. And I, the other thing I'll say is that the tree, the Tria logo, the way that they've put it, especially into the green jerseys, like it, it actually works perfectly. Like you barely notice it. It's totally. It's not doesn't encumber anything or at all. So I don't see a big deal. And if you're a Wild fan, if this is a way that 32 teams are going to get some extra revenue to now. Even if it was a million bucks, imagine the Wild having another million right now. When they go in, when their cap goes down another two next year. Well, I mean that's part of it, but it's also the league needs it just for yeah. health purposes. I mean they lost so much money in the the year and a half where COVID impacted the fans. That they've got a long way to go to make it back. Probably more so than any other league because they get a larger percentage of their revenue comes from fans in the building, game night revenues larger percentage of theirs compared to the other sports where it's more of the national TV dollar. Yeah. You got to have it. The, the league needs it. I agree with you there. So I think Wild fans should be super excited more than anybody in the league about the Tria logo being on the jersey if it makes the cap go up, but just even a couple hundred grand next year. Um, so uh, again, August uh, 24th at Elsie's in Northeast Minneapolis, uh, another awesome Tuttle's venue. Uh, come on down there. Um, and then as well, uh, again, August 30th at Kowalski's. If you were at the show that we did last summer at Shoreview, it was a, it was a hoot watching Anthony uh, uh, cook steaks, Akiyushi steaks against the uh, Kowalski. And this the one's Kowalski. not going to be a contest. Yeah. They just said they wanted to allow people to sample the steaks. I think maybe they just felt sorry for him because I yeah, lost the last your, one. You, you absolutely, you lost the last one. You got mopped on the floor by the Kowalski's, uh, was it a butcher? It right? was a blowout. No, yeah. he's, an, uh, he's a meat expert. Okay, meat expert. And uh, you got your ass kicked and now they don't they're like they're gonna show some uh some sympathy for you and not right. not make you maybe they'll uh, just give me some content. tips some pointers but it's if you know that uptown kowalski's there's a lot of uh cool outdoor seating there so that'll be fun um again august 24th lc's august 30th uh kowalski's thanks to grain belt here two for ones here at tuttles tonight if you buy a beer uh, a beer um as it's not two for ones it's buy one get one free brand brianne uh, corrected us um, and uh, you, you get a raffle ticket, and if you ask a question during the live show, you get a raffle ticket, and then we'll do a drawing at the end of the night for, to win a couple cool grain belt uh, prizes. Um, did you read my Judd Brackett story today, Anthony? I didn't. Um, I know you'll be shocked, but yeah. I haven't read it yet. I'll tell you what. You will love the story because you're a foodie. Well, and... We talked about the story already. Yeah. It does sound interesting. I, yeah. I'm not mocking you. I just haven't. It's too nice a day. Yeah. I wasn't going to. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. If uh, I felt like a food critic writing the uh, the the uh, the the piece, 
And um, I truly, I, it's a shame that, ga that game that we have next month in Boston, I, I found out you guys, even though it's a noon game and we have like three days in Montreal, which will kill us, um, you, you guys leave immediately after the game where I get to stay. So I'm going to go out to Cape Cod and, and have dinner with uh, Dean Muzatani, our Pioneer Press writer uh, that covers the wild for the uh, Pio. Um, we're going to go out there to that place. But I wanted to bring you because this place, I'm telling you, it's one of the best meals I've ever had. One of the greatest experiences I've ever had. And just the fact that the Wilds director of amateur scouting owns this restaurant, it, it was pretty well, neat. Well, the fact that he got you to eat seafood I know is that. something. That is true. Um, and, and man, was it, it good. So uh, hopefully everybody reads this because, I mean, the, the, you know, in all truth, I mean, the, what I found uh, fun about the story is just doing a really colorful feature on their director of amateur scouting. But right now, Judd Brackett is one of the most important people in this organization with the cap squeeze the Wild have really the next three years, but especially the next six. Um, you know, it, it, you need to draft and develop well. It feels like they have a ton and of kids coming. And he is, he's an important piece. And I just found it, I mean, we're sitting in this booth, Anthony. I don't know if I explained it to you like this. We're sitting in this booth, and he's overseeing the dining room as we're interviewing. And I just, he looked like he was sitting at the wild draft table two weeks before. And you can see why, you can see why he makes things so calm. Maybe it was just via Zoom that he actually was there. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> no, but but was, he's, I mean, a lot of times people forget those guys, their role is beyond just the draft. Yes. And they're also very integral when it comes time to trades, trades because they know the, the prospects in the other team's systems as well because they've scouted them. I mean, they, they, those guys are critical yeah. to the future of this franchise without a doubt. Well, a really good example of this is that, so, you know, uh, the way I understand it is that obviously before the trade, before they make for trade for Brock Faber, you know, Bill Guerin calls up Judd Brackett and probably some other scouts to ask what they think, what he thinks of uh, Brock Faber. And so in that conversation, Bill Guerin tells Judd Brackett, and by the way, we're going to get the 19th pick for this. So like a week before the trade actually happens, you know, on his whiteboard, he is game planning for two first round picks and nobody else even knows that they're about to get, but he knows that this trade's in the back. So he's already beginning his preparation of, all right, who can we get at 19 and 24? And so that just shows you too, again, that it's, it's not just the GM that knows the trade's coming. A lot of times he's talking to his staff and, and allowing that person to not just prep and give him Brock Faber information, but now he's got a, you know, a week's head start to know like, all right, you know what, I'm going to have two first round picks as opposed to one, and if you watch the wild video that I put on the, the, um, the, the story today, the day before the draft, he is workshopping with his staff on how they can get Yurov and Ogren. And in there, he basically says, they're call he's calling them by numbers, but he's saying, if these two guys are there, we're going to take the second guy first, over, even though he's lower on our list, because we think that he's got a better chance. We think of, more other teams are going to pass than yeah, the other guy. Exactly. And that of course is Yurov and it just felt like a lot of teams were were were, you know, letting Russians, especially Yurov. Yurov was the one guy that really fell, um, which is strange because you just watch him on social media now and all these videos of him scoring in the Sochi Open and he is a he is a talented kid. So are you sleeping better now that Kirill Kaprizov's back in Minnesota? I am. I'm excited. Uh, you know, and he's he seems happy. He's been going out on the town. You weren't like waiting, hiding behind plants no, at the airport I, I or promised, anything. No, uh, I promised that I wouldn't. Um, you know, my hope is one day we could sit there and talk to him about this because this is I could only imagine how stressful a situation this is for him. Unfortunately, we know that English is not his first um, language, so you know I don't know how much more information we're going to get uh, coming from him and if he'll even want to. Address all this, but I think it's good that he's back in town. It is amazing the work the Wild did behind the scenes to get him there. Like it, the way I understand it, his military obligations—it's not rectified yet. But the Wild worked with some pretty heavy-hitting diplomats, got him over to Turkey, went to the embassy there, um, was able to get his work visa. Then they implored him to come over right away, and now he's here working out every single day with the Ryan Hartmans, the Matt Dumbas, the Spurgeons. Um, a lot of guys, so Philip Gustafson's in town right now, which I think is a great sign, you know, that a, a Swedish player that could be overseas until, you know, early September is already here trying to get, you know, his game in order, which as you and I have talked about on the last podcast, they need him to win games this year. I think it's all great. And it, I just think it's, it's a relief to not have that stuff hanging over you because it affects everybody else too. It's not just that player. Everybody else being asked the question and wondering, is he going to get here? Is he, if he's not here, who, who am I playing with? Or how does that affect everybody else? 
So it's all, you know, the, the old saying is stress causes fatigue. So you eliminate the stress, now everybody else can just relax and That's go. why I'm exhausted all the time. <laughs> well, self-imposed stress causes triple yeah. the fatigue, apparently. Are you looking forward to the World Juniors coming up, Yeah, Anthony? absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, uh, eight players for the Wild in the World Juniors. Uh, uh, unfortunately, Damon Hunt got hurt again. Uh, right before the tournament, so his tournament, has, he's not making Team Canada, but obviously two Canadians, two Swedes, two Americans, a Czech and Slovak. And the Wild, as I just mentioned, they could have 12 guys because Damon Hunt would have made it. Huznadinov and Yurov definitely would have made it, and obviously uh, you know, Novak would have made it. Unfortunately, he's dealing with a, with a battle right now. Yeah, I always love the tournament, but it's more fun when you have a connection to some of the guys, and Minnesota's always well-represented from an amateur standpoint, but then also the, the Wilds prospect pool being there too. I, I think it's going to be a great tournament, fun to watch. Yeah, definitely, and that starts tomorrow or the day this podcast comes out. Tuesday, who has questions? Or uh, Anthony and I will continue to tap dance for the next 40 minutes, make sure some entertainment. There's got to be, there's like 150 people in this room. People, oh, counselor, here we go. Can I hope he, you give Anthony crap for what he said about you two podcasts ago on this podcast? Yeah. What, did, what did I say? Yeah, grab the mic and just lay into him like like he deserves. I don't even remember talking about you him. You dissed me on the Prague podcast. You said, oh, the lawyer. We already forgot about him. Well, yeah, yeah you, you said gone. that verbatim. He's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, you were gone. Him. You were old news. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the story of my life. Yeah. Um, so a few questions. One, did Kovanov eat himself out of an opportunity? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've seen video pictures of him on social media. He doesn't look completely out of shape to me, but that's me. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people look... Uh, um, I mean, I think, uh, I think his... A lot, yeah. His I mean, work yeah, ethic, His work cetera. ethic, his, you know, uh, uh, character, all that type of stuff, I think. Uh, just Which was all questioned before they ever yeah. had him in the first place. Yeah. It was a yeah. reason why he slipped. There were a lot of teams that seemed to know that about him. Yeah. Okay, yeah. uh, number two, and I know Anthony sort of answered this in the most recent podcast, but Kalen Addison, I mean, I understand that there's some concerns about his size with all the potential right-shot defensemen, but is there also some concern about his ability in the defensive zone? Boy, I don't know. I, I, I thought so. For me personally, I thought so going into last season, but I thought the more he played, the more comfortably looked. He played against some pretty good players, when he was up for a stretch, and I, I mean, I'm sure they have concerns for a number of reasons. I haven't talked to Billy about this, but and I don't, I just, I don't think his size necessarily is an issue if he wasn't a part of a defensive core that already has That's some guys like small. him. Yeah, exactly. And but I, I thought he defended pretty well when he had that stretch. I don't remember how many games in a row he played, yeah. like six or seven or something like out. that. Yeah, and. During that stretch, he seemed to get better and better every night, more and more confident. And there was never a point that I looked at him and I'm like, man, this guy's not an NHL or out of place. But, but um, I, think, I think it's more um, what Anthony just said. Too, too I, many 5-foot, 10-inch yeah, defensemen. Like, like, I mean, I'm just saying long-term, are you going to have a blue line? Let's just say Dumba's gone. Let's just assume that at some point after in the next year. Yeah, are you going to have a blue line that's, you know, Spurgeon, Faber, um, and Addison on your right side? I, I just, just I doubt it. Yeah. Um, um, so I think there's going to be an odd man out there, and it's not Spurge. So, um, and it's certainly not Faber not. at this point. So, um, and again, if they, you know, that's the, that's the interesting thing about like because Bill obviously has a great amount of uh, admiration and, and respect for Dumba, but you know, you sign Dumba even at a four million dollar extension, which is a huge haircut of what he makes. It's still an extension. Now you're blocking out definitely Addison. But you're also potentially blocking out all these other D they have. So I, I just, you know, I'd be shocked if they go that route. But I'm sure they're going to talk to Dumba. And if all of a sudden Dumba's like, yeah, I'll play, I'll play for four here long term, I think that Bill would look at that and be like, well, how do you not take that? So. And last one, <clears throat> are the Wild assuming that Wallstead will spend two years in the AHL on the notion that you don't want to force feed a goalie and blow his confidence? Or is it... Gee, we got to wait and see how he does. Maybe one year might be enough. Yeah, my my conjecture is that they are looking at two. I mean, yeah. Bill Guerin is we he's shown with forwards and defensemen that he's not willing to rush them. Are you going to really do that with a twenty year old goalie? Um, you know, I just think that he needs he needs time back there. For sure, Ken, one make sure you, uh, you get you ask three questions, you get three raffle tickets. 
for sure one full season as the every night yeah. player there. And then I think it depends on on what happens this year. What I could see a scenario where he was Flurry's backup the second year, come in, play behind him, learn from him, not just on the ice, but in the room and on the road. And I mean, what better guy to be a role model your first year as a part-time player in the NHL than Marc-Andre Fleury. Definitely. And Ken, make sure on that Google review that you rip for Panta. Yeah. Um, I don't, do you get a Google review yeah, when that's you, when that you leave was. early? Yeah, well, you know, he's, he's on the Google he's review. So fill that out. Rip LaPanta. He ripped you on the last podcast. Um, <laughs> what's up? Can Gustafson play enough good games to give Flurry the rest he needs for the playoffs, hopefully? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the big, one of the biggest questions going into this, this season is, is um, you know, I think Marc-Andre Fleury was excited about playing with Cam Talbot because even Marc-Andre Fleury at this stage in his career doesn't think that he's a 60-65 starter, um, it's a game starter. And so, um, you know, now this changes things. Yeah, I, I, I wonder about that. I, I, I don't think you're wrong in that he was excited to play with Cam Talbot and look at it as a shared type deal. But I also wonder how many nights off he needs. Yeah. He's in tremendous shape, yeah. keeps, takes tremendous care of himself, and I always got the feeling like when he was in Vegas that he felt like he didn't play enough. Yeah. And because they were mixing Robin Leonard in and well, he was interesting it, yeah, to see well, how the season Vegas, plays out. Well, in at the end, he was basically, you know, sidelined. And uh, I think that's where that yeah, – I think that he was fine with the start, sit, start, sit scenario. I mean, he basically said that to me when I met with him at his house, but he said that on the Zoom the next day as well to us. Um, and so I think this came out as a shock to him that this was happening. But, you know, look, the, again, to the, to the question, I mean, it's, it, the jury is out. I mean, we're going to see. If Gustafson plays well, that's huge. And if Gustafson plays well at his age, now all of a sudden you have two, you know, quote, goalies of the future with him and, and Wallstad. And now, I mean, you, you just gained a huge asset eventually um, to, to trade, you know, somebody. Of the two. Um, Mr. Silverstein. Silverstein, right? Yeah. Hey, there you go. Uh, just a couple topics. How is this power play going to get better? Like, That's my pressing topic of the next season. Well, Anthony. <laughs> um, They're working on it. Yeah, they are working on Not to, it. It's like a... It's a could use Reg Dun, Dunlop to answer that question. Yeah, we're working on it. We're working on it. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know... You don't know who Reg Dunlop is, do you? Oh come on, Reg Dunlop! You don't know who that Jacob. is. All right, you're gonna have to you're gonna have yeah, to spend two hours on a on Netflix find Slapshot, and that they really get your answer. Have but you not watched I mean, Slapshot? I, I'm terrible with movies. What are the, are you related to the Connors? They've watched Slapshot, right? Yeah, you need to invest two hours. It's worth your time. But anyway, that I they are working on it. I had a chance. I ran into the wild assistant coaches at a golf tournament just a couple of weeks ago, and and that was the topic of discussion that I had with them was the special teams. And they are, they're really, they've spent a ton of time studying it. They're working on some different ideas with their personnel, but also just from, regardless of personnel, just a different style, both on the penalty kill and the power play. To They've got to be better. They know it. Yeah. They have to be better on both. Yeah, uh, uh, Dean Avison told us when we were at the draft in Montreal that the task for the entire coaching staff, especially the assistants, was to come up with all sorts of uh, st strategic and systematic tweaks, and then they were going to go over it during development camp and unveil new new systems. But but the other way is personnel-wise. I mean, obviously losing Fiala hurts, um, other than the blind turnovers across the blue line. Um, but the, you know, Rossi half wall. I hope I hope that Rossi and and Boldy are on the same power play because that power play in Iowa last year when they were each on their respective half walls and they were able to make those seam passes, it was freaking great. And then Addison, if he makes the team, I mean, he quarterbacked that power play from the point. So you're going to have new personnel, too, that are going to be added to the power play. Is this, I just don't think Tyson Jost gets enough credit, too. He's a great guy, and I just want to kind of know his tenure with the Wild and maybe Boldy, too. But you guys covered it. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's another example that they're going to try to give an elevated role to. I don't, you know, I... I, I 
like hasn't I don't know where that yet. role. He hasn't proved it yet yeah. at any point in his career, but I think he'll get an opportunity yeah. this year. I just don't know where the opportunity is if they're healthy, like because like you know you have obviously the top line that's staying intact. You have the grief line that's staying intact. I just even if he started with Boldy and Rossi, you know eventually Goudreau's winding up there. So I don't know where they're giving him the role unless there's injuries. Now I did I ran into Greenway the other day. He's not going to be ready for the start of the season. So there is an opportunity there. Like maybe even start Boldy on that grief line. Like Boldy played with Felino and and um, like jo- I will say Joe's played with Felino on that line at one point and did not look good. So I think if you put a Boldy there, maybe start him there. That might be pretty good and then you have like a Rossi Goudreau Joe line I don't know there's some opportunities I have a feeling he'll get some chances on that second line at least some looks early and see if he can bring anything yeah. to because if he can then maybe Goudreau's a guy that fits better on a checking line gives you a fourth line guy that can also kill penalties and then maybe from time to time when you're protecting a lead he now bumps up, plays on the second that, that'd line. That'd be an interesting line to start the season with is you put Felino uh, on left wing again with Eric Snack and Goudreau, and then you have a Jost, Boldy, and uh, Rossi line, you know, depending on how long Greenway's going to be out. So that'll be interesting. Uh, make sure, Jacob, you get a couple of raffle tickets. Uh, any other questions? I was going to say we can go to calls, but we, can, we really can't go to calls, can we, Brandon? Brandon didn't bring the phone today. Um, yeah. Um, I did, I did, uh, here, let's go through, the, I did look at some Twitter questions. Uh, your guy, Matt Laval, um, asked about Pooley What do you think of Pooley Well, I don't mind him as a player. Yeah. I don't know how well he fits here, but. So the interesting thing on Pooley is like, I actually get the impression the Wild don't like him. They don't like him at one year at $3 million. But if you could trade a Kulikov in that deal and dump $2.25 million, um, and then you added $3 million, that might work. Um, but I don't, I, you know. To me, the only way you are, they'd ever add the three million of Puliarvi is if they could dump a significant well, amount of change to. in it. Yeah. yeah. But tell us about Kowalski's, Anthony. Well, as you mentioned earlier, we've got a live show coming up. I'm looking forward to it. A chance to grill some steaks and and share those with the people because you won't be disappointed. These steaks are terrific. The Akaushi line is my favorite, but they also have this new 40 day aged USDA Prime line that is outstanding. You won't be disappointed. I often go there without a specific plan in mind, and then it's just whichever ones look the best in the meat cooler each night. That's what we decide to go with. And the most recent one, we went with some fillets that were just off the charts terrific. So anytime you're entertaining or just having a great meal, start out with the best ingredients. Kowalski's is the place to go. And here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. Hey, hockey fans. Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call is always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. To say we're having a hot summer is an absolute understatement. Is your air conditioner keeping up? Well, if it isn't and you're having concerns, my friends over to Aquarius Home Services is offering $65 off any AC repair. That's right, $65 off. Trust my friends over to Aquarius Home Services. Their professional cooling and heating technicians are experts on troubleshooting and repairing any type of air conditioning related issue. They service all makes and models, and their experts are available 24-7 for emergency AC repairs. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention, Russo sent you. What's up, Jerry? So um, with Krupisov here, is it going to be... You know, kind of a situation where, you know, we want to ask, but we shouldn't ask in regards with the future. Is there anything in regards with, with him? With the future of what? Kaprizov. Like, like um, we know that. Well, he's under contract for four more years. Yeah. So what do you mean future? Like, is he ever going to go home or, or what? Um, like, you know, going home and if he's going to be kind of like outspoken or anything, that he's going to be very careful well, he's definitely not going to be outspoken. Um, um, I, I mean, think I, they will beg him not to go home. 
Yeah, they will absolutely. Like after this summer, they will beg him not to go home. Now, if his military obligations are rectified, do I think that he's never going to step foot in Russia again? No. I mean, I think he's going home next summer. I think this is behind the scenes. They're dealing with it. Uh, his, his people, his, his attorneys and his agent and to get him a, a deferment. Um, I don't know if that's happened yet. I know it was in the works that they were attempting to do it. Um, in the interim, the wild got him out of there. Um, but look, his family lives there. He built his parents, a, you know, what I've been told, an incredible home there. Um, his brother is his best friend. He lives there. Like, he's going home. They're going to beg him not to. But, but you know, oh, that's the future. He's from there. Like, I, you know, and I, I've said this on a couple of podcasts. Like, I've seen some outspoken twitiots that have sat there and ripped him for going back. I mean, just imagine if your kid was playing, you're from YZ and your kid was playing in the KHL and you think he, and we had this issue here. You think he's never coming back to America or you'd never want him to come back to America. I mean, this is where the guy's from. He's born and bred. He's 24 years old. All he knows in his life is Russia. Like, I think it's easy for us on the sideline to rip him for going home, but I don't think he ever thought, you know, as much as Bill Guerin begged him not to go back, I don't think he ever thought that, that something like Would this Would Wyzetta have invaded Saskatchewan yeah. well, in your know. story? I know, but you know what I, I yeah. But you get what I mean. I mean, the kid <laughs> yeah. is from Russia. Yeah, you but know? there's a war going on. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. <sighs> I'm going to go into that Google review. <laughs> there's absolutely no doubt about that I will go into that Google review. I say the trip was incredible, except for that play-by-play guy that would not stop talking at all minutes of the day. I was listening most of the time. Yeah. Heard some great stories. Yeah. Counselor, what do you think? Come and protect me here. Next. So, uh, question here. Any um, <laughs> leakage here about what's going to be the retro, reverse retro going to be like? Because, I mean, uh, I assume it's going to be green North Star's colors, you know, since they just did white. That's my gut. What, you hear anything? I haven't you heard anything. It? I haven't. You know what's crazy is that the league doesn't even know when it's gonna, they're going like, to unveil these, and you'd think you'd want to get them in stores by now. Like it, it just feels like this is extremely disorganized from a league perspective. So, so I did listen to uh, 32 Thoughts right after where Murda, you know, Jeff Merrick said, you know, the Wild just committed a uh, bank robbery at Bank Heist. So is on it, what? On the draft, this year's draft. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what Murdoch said mm-hmm. on, it, on his Jeff uh, Merrick? Yeah. So any bold prediction, like for, for uh, like 2030, this is the Minnesota Wild is going to be your next Stanley Cup championship? In 2030? Yeah. Well, I'll probably be five years underground. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'll be writing about how the future is bright. What do you, what do <laughs> Wait you? Wait till next yeah. year. 2030? Uh, 2030, yeah. Seven I mean, years? We, we know about two players, that maybe one yeah. player that will be on that team. Yeah. I, I don't know. In your it's eyes, Caprizov's going to be playing in South Florida or something. Right. Um, That's impossible yeah. to pick that. I mean, I, I think the general managers, I mean, they have a plan a couple of years out. I don't think Billy Guerin's plan even goes out to 2030. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think he's probably got things sketched out for a few years here with how, where guys might land, but. You just gave me a heart palpitation about <laughs> even covering the team in 2030. I go day by day, but definitely not. Eight years out. Oh, my God. That'd be a long time of covering the National League. 36 years. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, look, they, they have a lot of really good kids coming. A lot. I mean, even like today, like I'm looking at their roster, and I'm like, I forgot about guys like Vladislav Firstov. And, like they have a lot of kids that are going to be in Iowa. That, like Simon Johansson looked really good to me. You know another kid that um, doesn't get any talk about of, that was a recent draft pick is at development camp that Kyle Masters – like, all he did was score. Every single time I watched him, he had the puck on a stick, he scored. Um, so they have a lot of really talented kids coming. Um, so hopefully, it, you know, they can't all play here, so hopefully it all works, works out um, because, obviously, Wild fans deserve it. Question? So with Hartman and even Eric Sneck were pretty pleasant surprises offensively last year, do the Wild need them to score 26 and 30-some goals again. Um, and if not, who do you think steps up offensively with Fiala, too? Gone now. They'd sure love it if they scored that many again. I, I mean, I don't know if I'd say need. I, I think Erickson Eck is likely to continue an upward trajectory. I, I don't know how many more goals you'll see from Ryan Hartman than that. But yeah. if you're playing with 
36 and 97, you're going to score. Yeah. Like, I'm one of those people. I like, I know that the analytics experts, like Dylan over there, uh, think that, that everybody just regresses. Am I getting that racket right? now? So, uh, like, uh, like I, I know there is a lot of concern out there by the analytics community that people are going to regress to the mean and all that stuff. I, I don't see how Ryan Hartman just regresses. The guy is a 20, he's mid 20s. He was a first round pick. He didn't score 36 by fluke last. Was it 30? What do you have? 30, not 36, right? 30, 33-ish, 34-ish. Uh, um, yeah, I think it was 32. Yeah. Like, yeah uh, I don't know. Like he's not he was over 30. Yeah. I could see him getting to 30 again. Yeah, like he, like, um, you know, you're playing with those two. The way he just knows his role, goes to the net, um, net front power play. Um, like, I, I get the whole regress, regress thing. But, but I, if it's I don't, just regression because you think guys, like, there's a re if the analytics say he's not like cashing in on more chances than normal or his didn't create as many chances as some other guy. I mean, those kind of things are reason to expect regression. Right. But if it's just I don't see how this guy who's never done it before can do it again, I don't agree with that. And yeah. most of the most of the statistics that we followed over the course of the season in terms of expected goals and all that kind of those guys weren't that far above what they were expected to score. And and remember, Hartman did almost all of it at even strength. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to expect that, especially if given more opportunity on special teams, if maybe we see the same kind of numbers from him. Eric Sinek is an interesting one because he he scores goals in such ugly fashion quite often that you, I, sometimes it's harder to predict how many of those are going to be there. I mean, there were stretches where he'd go three weeks with – Eight goals and a grand total of eight feet worth of <laughs> worth of distance traveled with the puck. So, I mean, when a guy continues to score that way, that usually is relatively consistent. Yeah, um, they're both. I mean, Hartman's a great hockey player, and same with Erickson X. So, I, I mean, I'm not as concerned as others. Um, I'd be more concerned of like, what is there a drop off with Boldy not playing with Fiala? Because I, I am, I'm of the belief that that. Like I know that internally, there's a lot of belief, like that Fiala didn't drive the line and and all that stuff. Like I like Fiala made Boldy, Boldy made Fiala. This was not just like Fiala was in a I, like I get it because Fiala took off when Boldy arrived. That they just think that Boldy was the guy. But the reality is Boldy's success had a lot to do with Fiala too. And you know Hartman uh, Rossi is a very different player. He's 20. So to you know that is I will say that's a concern I have is that there's just this belief from fans that Rossi is just going to come in and be the air, like this like magnificent hobby player. He's 20 years old. He's going to need time. Um, you know, he's got his head on a shoulder. Like I, I, when I was with him in Austria, a big part of my story, which is, is going to run around August 16th. I'm, I'm writing it over the next couple of days here. A big part of my story is him talking about social media and how the biggest thing that he's going to want to do this year is keep his head on straight. Like he's not going to be, he's not going to go on social media because he's just worried about like what fans are going to say good or bad. Um, you know, he said, you know, because last year I think it affected him going on Twitter and seeing wild fans constantly be like, how come you haven't called up Rossi? Rossi needs to be called up and that gets in your head. So he's got his head on straight that way. He told his family, please don't come the first couple months. I would just want to concentrate on hockey. Um, but you know, I think that fans just need to understand that this is a kid that's just coming in from, you know, one year of pro after not playing a year. And he did hit a wall last year at the end. And he's going to need some time to get his foot under. Like, he will be a great player, but he might not be a great player until 24, 25. And 20 is going to be the beginning of the ascent to that player. So, and, But I also think Boldy will be better yeah. for the same, all the same reasons. Boldy was, I think he got his eyes open a little bit in the playoffs about the, new, uh, the next level that you have to be able to elevate your game. And I think we'll see him be a better player next year than he was this year. So perhaps mm -hmm. maybe that helps to offset it. There's no doubt that there's a lot of goals lost off of this team that have to be replaced somehow, some way. We've talked about it before. Maybe you focus a little more attention on preventing goals, and that decreases the number that you need. But bottom line is the part of the reason this team was successful is their ability to score, their ability to come from behind, their ability to score with extra attacker. All of that's going to be hurt by the players they lost. No doubt. Question? Yeah, so my apologies if this has already been said anywhere. Um, but So we, we already know that Liam Ogren signed his entry-level deal. Do we know, does that mean he's going to start in Iowa this year, or is no, he going to no, stay in Swedish? Going, yeah, they just got it. It's just to get it done. 
right? Okay. I mean, you don't want to, you know, it's just to basically get it done. His slides, uh, he's going to Sweden. He's won't even be at training camp. That stuff, that stuff happens all the time, especially with the Europeans. Um, uh, so yeah, no, he's definitely going back. So what do you think, uh, Anthony, the twins, uh, did you watch that whole uh, stuff with Sanchez at the end of the game last night? I didn't watch it live, but I, I saw it. We were in a, at our Donkey Classic golf tournament this yeah, weekend. Thanks for the so, invite. Yeah, well, you've been invited to play. You'd have to at least be willing to come and swing a club once before we're going to put you in a 72-hole tournament. But Oh, that's way too many holes. Yeah, we did. Uh, no, I, we got done last night about 7 o'clock, 7.30. So we had played 36 Saturday, 36 Sunday, and I picked up my phone to a bunch of text messages asking me about that play. And so I had to go back and watch it. It was a terrible call. It was yeah, a, it you was know what my biggest call. issue with that whole call is, with the whole rule? It's like, to me, video replay should be, are you safe or are you out? Like, the umpire in that position should decide if, it's, if the catcher impeded with it. Like, why are you going to video review to decide something like that? When, especially on overturning something that's not egregious at all. Um, like this was not Buster Posey getting run over. No. Um, like I, I just don't get. I don't on, like the rule in the first place. Yeah. I, it's an overreaction to an injury, and I don't like the rule. Catcher's got to be able to catch the ball, and if he happens to, yeah. sometimes if you catch the ball, you're in front of the plate. I mean, that's and, just what happened. And it was a perfect strike, and you're gonna just take away that thing, and it's a huge loss. I mean, uh, White Sox won, the Guardians won. Question. See yes. where? See that. I can I can talk other sports, Brandon. Right. Brandon always says that I only know one thing: hockey. I have um, two questions. I have a wild question and a, and a Russo question. Oh Jesus! Um, I'll answer the Russo question. Uh, the wild question is: What do you think, Garen, in the front office? Like, what do you think is their goal for the next couple of years in cap crunch? Like, where do they feel like? Is it just making the playoffs? Is it? I think his goal is still to win a cup. I mean, I really don't. I I really don't think that he's looking this as as like you know they're in a rebuild or they're going to be on a bubble. Like he still thinks that they're top three in the division, and once you get in, you know that they'll learn a lot of lessons from the Blues. Um, I don't think Bill Guerin's wired to just say, "All right, we're just going to be a periphery team here, or go for a lottery pick or something." Like no that. doubt about that. I, I mean, he fully expects them to be in the playoffs. I do think deep down that he might be willing to say our best chance at a cup might be a couple of years down the road, but that doesn't mean he doesn't think this team can win this year. And a lot of it for the reason Michael just said, once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen, especially you have a guy in goal. He's not in the prime of his career, but he's been, been there and done it. And I think they look at it as why not us compared to other teams. Well, so this isn't my second question, but but since you said that, what do you two think would be successful in the next three years? Next three years? Or two years, whatever, the two yeah. really heavy crunch years, and then the third one, I guess, is a little better. I expect there'll be a playoff team. I think there'll be a handful to knock out of the playoffs. I mean, I, I don't think right now they have the, I don't think they're the best team in the Western Conference, but they're in the bunch that would be close enough to upset somebody. I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's reasonable to expect that there'll be a playoff team. Yeah, no, I agree. Like I, I don't, I don't think just losing Kevin Fiala off this team doesn't make them a playoff team. And I think that the, the more that they integrate some of these young kids and everything like that, what I what I do hope that they get out of the habit of is signing guys to six, seven, eight year deals because then you're just blocking out a lot of these kids. Like I think now the goal is I think that's one reason why he was patient this year. Like free agents not doesn't want to just come here one year. I think you give term now, and now every time you give term, you're blocking out one of these kids that might be a year or two away. Um, so, um, but, you know, I don't, I am, I'm of the belief that this, I, I think it's a huge loss for this team. Like, I saw it coming for the last year, and it worried me, when, especially when he started taking off. But I don't think that this team, um, they've, got, they've got to defend better, and they've got to get better goaltending, and if they do, they'll be as good, you know. But they're not replacing his 85 points. Yeah. So. Um, and then I have a question for Russo, which we'll decide is... decide if this gets on the podcast. Um, I control the editing. No, I... I don't know um, how to edit, but I control... I it. noticed, and I don't know when I noticed this, but you are now a senior NHL writer. And well, no, I, I've always been. You so have yeah, been. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, and have you been on... I saw, I saw on, like, I was just scrolling through Twitter, and The Athletic was like, there's jobs. And they mm. said they're looking for a wild beat reporter. Right. Well, you're good. Just sleuth. Uh, uh, you as uh, an investigator. Um... So I don't, and I guess it leads to my real question, which is, 
you've clearly had opportunities to do mm-hmm. Nashville. I think you alluded to Barrero a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah. You almost. And so why have you? I mean, I'm sure you have a great job, but what has kept you as a beat reporter? Well, it's definitely the TalkNorth.com uh, podcast. <laughs> I can't lose. And your co-host. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, uh, well, first of all, to what you just said, it's true. We are hiring a second wild writer, but it is to expand coverage. Uh, we're hiring a, a second writer. Um, that, and I got to be a little careful of what I say here, even though I want to give you like the full goods. Um, but, uh, but, uh, but I am still covering the wild. Um, I am going to be doing more national. Um, so right now in the next little while, we're going to decide who that person is. If it's a person internally that's coming here, it is going to be in a, a absolute home run for wild fans. Um, the person that, uh, we're hoping comes here, I think is our best hockey writer at the athletic. And if we if it comes here, it's going to be insane amount of like our our expansion of covering this team is just going to be just like wild fans are just going to eat it up. And that person would do national with me, so we'd sort of split the beat, split national. Um, if if he doesn't take it, then we're going to really hire obviously a great hockey writer or, or somebody to come here that I can help mentor. But I'm a hundred percent still covering the wild, but uh, I'm just going to be doing much more national stuff. So that's all. Um, uh, full disclosure, in terms of why I haven't left, I mean, I do. I love Minnesota. Um, uh, the chances that I, the opportunities I've had just um, didn't make sense, and luckily I didn't take those, or this wouldn't have come down the pike. So, um, Somebody did ask me, Anthony, uh, what is uh, your game day like? Uh, my game yeah, day? Yeah, your game day. They asked mine get too. Um, by the way, make sure you get a raffle ticket for those two very good questions. Game day for me is a long day, but it, it's all great. It's a good day, but I leave the house probably by s- between 7.30 and 8 to go to the rink. We have a conference call at, for a home game. We'll have a conference call at 9 o'clock, and I want to be at the rink before I start that call. And we do a conference call in the morning with our crew. I'll have sent my file out. I send a file to all of our our whole crew, analysts, producers with all the graphics that You'll see in the game broadcast, I send those the night before so everybody has a chance to look them over and decide what they want to include in the show, what they like or don't like. We have a conference call. We do the morning skate. We talk to the coaches, players from both teams. I leave and I go to Kinko's and print my line charts. I go to Lifetime Fitness and get a workout, and I turn around and drive back to the rink, and I'm back in the press box by 3.30 for a 7 o'clock game and work up there till about 5.15 or so, go downstairs, have dinner in the press room with these guys, game at 7, and home by about 11 o'clock. It's mm. um, a long day. Yeah, it is a long day. And, the uh, you know, it's uh, I, I always see you working on your files, either when we're on the road or, um, you know, when you're working on them at, like, 1 a.m., I usually get a Snapchat from your wife with, like, the dogs just fast asleep and you just like this on your computer. Yeah, try so. to get them all done the night before yeah. so that everybody has it. I want the analysts to be able to see, hey, I've got a graphic on the power play or on Kevin Fiala or on turnovers or face-offs or whatever so that they have a chance to look at them. And if they want to take the time that morning, then they can go talk to somebody about it, get more information, so that when that graphic pops up on the screen, they're not stunned by it. They're and, not, I, and that's an abnormal thing. Like I can't imagine play-by-billy guys in other sports are sitting there doing graphics for their, their teams. Yeah, no, I don't think it's normal. Yeah. It's, but I, I like it, and I don't mind the re- – I'm going to do the research anyway. Yeah. So why not just put it into graphic form so that I'm not just going to our graphics guy saying, hey, can you build me yeah. something on the Wild's face-offs the last seven games? I want to look at – I'll put it together so that I know exactly what it is. But I want the analyst to have had time to look at it, think about it, ask about it, and so that when it pops up on the screen, he has something to add, that he's not looking at it for the first time saying, oh, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I want him to be able to add some information. Yeah. Yeah, and, but, so I literally am on Snapchat just for Margo because I get to see the best of two things. One, your dogs. But two, the catalog of embarrassing pictures and videos I have of Anthony is endless. And one day they will be published. Um, And if you are looking to sell at your home, now is the time. Now you can get a strong cash offer. Sell your home stress-free with a guaranteed offer with Chris Lindahl Real Estate. Don't worry about the hassle of constant cleaning and home maintenance. Sell your home with Chris Lindahl today. Go to chrislindahl.com. Fill out a quick form. Receive an all-cash offer on your home today. No obligation. And the guaranteed offer allows you to bypass the market and sell your home hassle-free. That means no showings, no open houses, 
no stress. Just choose when you want to move, and you will close with confidence. The Chris Lindahl Real Estate Guaranteed Offer keeps you in control. It's that simple. Go to chrislindahl.com to get a guaranteed offer on your home today so you could start packing or you could just jump up on one of his billboards. And here's a word from Royal Credit Union. Take the checking account challenge from Royal Credit Union. Compare your checking account to Royal and see why it makes sense to switch. Royal's checking accounts have no hidden fees and lots of free features that make it easy to stay on top of your money. You can deposit checks with the Royal's mobile app, receive real-time notifications when transactions happen, and even freeze your debit card in seconds. See what other features you're missing out on and make the switch to a Royal checking account at rcu.org slash royalchallenge, insured by NCUA. Question. <laughs> hey, so I got two questions. One, uh, the visa issues that were brought up kind of um, earlier this off-season that Kaprizov had coming back to Minnesota and other NHL players had. Was that just due to COVID situations with yeah. the league? Yeah, so uh, basically the way that it works is that you, so every non-American that works in the NHL, coach, scout, you know, whatever, broadcaster, they have to get a P1 visa. If you're European, you got to get a second visa to play in Canada and the U.S. The teams are always responsible for getting the P1. The players and the agents are responsible for getting the actual quote work visa. Now, sometimes that could be helped along by the teams and all that stuff. Because of the pandemic, a lot, you can only get a U.S. and a Canadian, you could get a Canadian work visa out of Canada. You can get a U.S. work visa out of the U.S. Anywhere that there's an, a consulate. So that's why they got them to Turkey and they did it there. Um, right now, the Moscow con uh, embassy and consulate's not doing work visas for the U.S. Um, and then the other issue is that most of these guys get it in Canada, and you have to turn over your, your actual passport. So there's consulates all over Canada, but during the pandemic, most of them are shut down. The two that I understand that you can go to are Ottawa and Calgary. Well, you can't just show up there. You have to make an appointment. Then when you're there, you usually got to surrender your, your, your passport, all that stuff. So the way it worked with Kaprizov is they got it expedited, but he surrendered his passport. Then he sort of vacationed in Turkey. Then he came over. But that is the issue, is that because of the pandemic, they were just short-staffed. They were tons of, you know, you have all these people coming to Canada to get, work, to get work visas and all that stuff. And so then you only have two places that are willing to do it. And so it was, that's the issue. And they had given those guys a grace period of a year because yeah. of that, but it just didn't get done. Yeah. And, and a lot of it is like, you know, like Kaprizov, you know, he signed the day before camp. So the Wild got him as P1, but then they, the deal that the NHL made with, with U.S. Border and Customs is that you would fly to Newark, you get a stamp, and then it's like an honor system. When you show up at a U.S. consulate in Canada, you go get your, your thing. In the interim, you could get it expedited. So the Wild made an appointment for Kaprizov in early January to go to Ottawa to get his thing. Well, that game was canceled, so that now delayed everything. Kevin Fiala is another one. It wasn't just Russians. Fiala signed in late, like August 23rd last year, if I'm not mistaken. Well, then he didn't come over to America until like early September. Well, he took advantage of this exception that the NHL made with the US. He flies into Newark, he gets a special stamp, and then the goal was to eventually in Canada, you go get your meeting and you get your actual work visa. So, so a lot of times, Anthony would probably answer this much better than me. Uh, the way I understand it is that a lot of times you guys leaving Canada had huge delays we did. because if you had a customs person that wasn't well-versed on this exception, all of a sudden Kaprizov and, and uh, Fiala or whoever show up at the border and they like, well, what? You don't even have documentation to go back to the U.S. And so you had... We had I, a few delays for yeah. sure. And, and a lot of times when we're leaving... It's the only time we set foot in an airport when we travel is when we're leaving Canada going to the U.S. because we have to go through customs. But they have one gate open, and it's just for us to go through customs, basically. And so you got one person. It isn't like they've got seven windows open. Right. And it, it was, we had a couple long delays, for sure. Yeah. Um, second one, then, is with this new management style, I feel like we're seeing a lot more development from within rather than in our external um, fill-ins. So with three positions this year with Greenway um, projected or assumed to miss the beginning of the season and then the fourth and Kevin Fiala, do we expect people like uh, Mason Shaw or um, Sam Henches or well, anyone like that? I don't like think Henches, uh, because he's just turning pro. 
Um, but, you know, maybe a Chafee. Like, whoever they put on the team is going to need to be somebody they feel comfortable and is comfortable being the 12th or 13th forward, right, at this point. Um, so I don't see them putting a top prospect, but maybe like a Chafee or something like that. Um, this all depends if they add a player. Like, if they add a player, these guys probably don't have a shot. But if right now there is an open spot for maybe a Beckman or a Chafee or something like that, Anthony. Somebody, for sure. You, you always want to have a veteran guy there, and if it ends up being we need a guy for a night or two, that's your guy. If you need a guy for a month, then you maybe go with the younger, the more of a prospect type guy. It's for Russo. Mm-hmm. I'm still convinced I saw uh, Kaprizov in Wyzetta. <laughs> it definitely 100% was not him. Yeah, I yeah. know. It's, uh, sorry That's about funny. that. Yeah, but you are the reason why that story came. So <laughs> if I, can I tell the story? Sure, go ahead. So basically I got an email from, I'm assuming now you, that says, hey, I just saw Billy Guerin out with Kaprizov uh, at the Cove. Yeah. I'm like, what? And so I reach out to some people, and I find out Billy was at the Cove. But Kaprizov definitely wasn't at the Cove, so you did see somebody that wasn't Kaprizov. But then what that did is it forced me to start digging into it, and I found out that Kaprizov coincidentally was in the United States at the time. And then and the Wild, like basically panicked when I found this stuff out, and um, and then I did a lot of work, and it turned out he 100% was in New York. He was not at the Cove, uh, but it is. But if you don't send me that email. All of a sudden, probably we're on social media seeing the Wild putting pictures of him. I would have been like, what the? How did I miss this? So uh, you are the reason why that story, that I was able to break that story, because it just got me to like, well, this just seemed too coincidental that a Wild fan would see Kaprizov, and maybe he is actually here. Um, because the one thing I did know is that he was in Turkey, because that got out on social media where like there, uh, somebody found a picture of him like vacationing in Turkey. So I knew right away because of all my reporting on this whole Russia-Ukraine thing, that the only way Russians can get in and out of Russia right now is through Dubai, Croatia, or Turkey. So the fact that he was in Turkey, I just thought that was... Okay, so I have a, uh, a questioner. I need your opinions. So we had Toyota on the helmets last year. So, um, <laughs> and now we're going to have Tria, a Tria patch on the jerseys on the left chest area. When's this going to stop? You think now we're going to end up being like those European no, teams eventually? Yeah. Because where, where would it stop? Why would it stop at this point? Because the NHL does not want to be that. They want, they want it to be, you know, unobtrusive where it's there, but it's not there, you know? So then one more maybe down the left pant leg. I mean, maybe eventually one more to, the, yeah. to even out They're here. They're not going to turn it into Europe. No, I can promise I you I actually that. think this might be the end of it right here. They've yeah. done so much more this with actually, the in-arena yeah. stuff with the – Board advertising, ice advertising. They even use the the computer generated graphics now on the broadcast that they've given teams the ability to. Th they've got more ways they can incorporate more names and logos yeah. without putting them on the jersey. I'll be honest. The way that I understand it too is that that it took this long to do something like this because Bettman's been the one that didn't want to do it. So oh, I'm I'm so surprised. Yeah. So um. Uh, where does this money go to, and how many other NHL teams are doing this? Well, all 32 have the right to sell it, and then that money goes into hockey-related revenue. And then the way it works is that they, at the end of the season, audit it. 50% of hockey-related revenue go to the players, 50% go to the owners, and that determines the salary cap, minus all the money in escrow that the players have to pay back the owners because of the pandemic the next couple of years. But this, in theory, will raise the cap. So. Turn into a Q&A show. Which is show. good. Yeah. Now Anthony can get a raise. Oh, Barb? I like that. Now I like it even more. Yeah. Hi, Michael. Hello. Hi, Anthony. Um, so you are the only person that calls me Michael. Seriously? Did. did you? I just did a little while ago. Oh, I didn't listen to you. Really? So. Anyway, um, I'm just wondering, what is, your, what, what is your best guess as to who would, who would be the player that would make up some of these goals that were Tony. lost. <laughs> uh, I would say, I think Matt Boldy increases his goal production from last year to this, but I yeah. Rossi will score some. He's not going to score what Fiala scored, but the, he, you know, Boldy has a full season now, next year. I think you'll see his number go up Jordan Greenway, he'll score more the next year than he did this past year. 
Those would be the two I would think would be most likely. Yeah. Maybe Tyson Jost. Yeah, maybe. So. Thanks. I was just looking at uh, any other Twitter questions. Somebody did, uh, this is a good one. Uh, what, what's um, insight on how you develop, you build relationships with players? Um, I, I know that was meant to me for me, but how do, you, how do you do it? I mean, it was harder during the pandemic, Anthony. Still is. We, we haven't got back to normal yet, yeah. really, because for us, we have a little bit of an advantage because we fly with them and ride the bus with them. And so there's some of those times we do have a little bit of it back what it used to be were just time hanging around in the locker room, yeah. chatting with guys to get to know them. And for me, it's always more conversations about things unrelated to the game that night that where you develop a relationship enough, you get to know them enough so that now when you do have a question about tonight's opponent, they don't just give you a cliched answer. Yeah. They'll actually, and they know that I, mean, I don't work for the team, but we are team partners. So they know that if they say, yeah, Can't I hate him. this guy because it, he did this to me, if you, they know I'm not going to repeat that on the air. Mm -hmm. And so those kind of things. But it is important. You have to be able to do that because otherwise you're, the information that you get when it's just in front of a, of a scrum of reporters is I, I very rarely use what a player says in that setting yeah. On the broadcast. Yeah, and in terms of me, I mean, I just, I, I mean, I'm myself. I mean, I'm very talkative in the locker room. I, you know, talk about, as you mentioned, other stuff. Um, you know, I think it used to be a lot easier when, when you didn't have multiple mechanisms to burn a player, podcast, radio, TV, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. It was much easier that they, they looked at you. Plus, I was younger. So when you're younger and you're closer to a player's age, they look at you as not an old guy. Um, you know, but I think that I think when people definitely when most players learn that I'm pretty fair, that that they, you know, I just develop a relation with them. But there's no like I don't have like a set set like, you know, template of how you do it. I mean, learn a lot this, of it is ask them this. Yeah, a lot no. of it is just being being myself and things like that. Um, and just, you know, I mean, it's it's. I think a lot of young reporters, they go into the locker room, they have a list of questions, they're nervous, they don't listen Listening is the most important thing as a writer. You, you sit there and you, you actually have a conversation with somebody, not just a bunch of, like, I never, I mean, you see how I work. I sometimes don't even have a pad. If I do have a pad, it's not questions. It's little topics to remind myself. I, I, it's funny. I, went, I was going over to Rossi's house. He picked me up at my hotel, and we went over to his house a couple of weeks ago. And as we're driving, and, and he told me that I was going to meet with his parents, his his, uh, his, his mom, his dad, his sisters, all that stuff. I, like, I, we're like 10 minutes away, and I'm starting to think, you know, I have done literally no prep for this interview. I haven't even thought about it. And so, but that to me, like the interview that I had with them, it was all over the map. Like when I transcribed it, I'm like, this was not a great, but what it did is it got everything out. And I think that that's sometimes what is the best way to go in is just to sit there and have a conversation for an hour and a half. And then next thing you know, invariably, you have a, a pretty cool story. Well, and you have, you, listening is so, I mean, it's the same with when you listen to sideline reporters on television. Those that... Toughest job in broadcasting. Toughest job in TV, right. Those that listen to the answer will oftentimes get a great follow-up question. But sometimes you can tell, they got these are questions. my three yeah. questions, I'm going to ask them no matter what. And the guy could have told him that he crashed a bus last night in the first answer. <laughs> and the follow-up question is, and what is, what's wrong with your power play? Yeah. I mean, it just you have to listen to what the answer is yeah. because a lot of times that leads you down a path that's a lot more interesting than what you were thinking going in. A couple more minutes in the show. Uh, Autumn, I know who got you that shirt. Um, yep, yep. So Autumn's uh, parents were on our uh, trip uh, to oh, nice. the Lindgrens. We're on our, uh, yep, yep. So I have two questions. The first one has to deal with our, our special teams, the penalty kill specifically. Who do you think is going to play the most pivotal role for us? And then the second question is, do you think Rossi is going to stay with Vanek again during the season this year? No, I don't think he'll do that. Um, but I think it's very, very helpful that he's here. I think they have a great relationship. Um, in terms of the PK, Marc-Andre Fleury is the most important person. Um, most important, I, yeah. I mean, their penalty kill... Save percentage last several years has been not very good. I think Jules Eriksson Eck yeah. will be critical there, and I think Rossi know, I, will be there. He probably will. Jonas Brodine to me is always a huge part of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, question, and yeah, a couple more minutes in the show, so this is your last call to come on up. 
So I went to both games in Nashville last year, and um, it didn't help that yeah. Fleury gave up like 42 goals in that first game. Um, but I thought their fans were, like their chants were incredibly annoying and juvenile, and I'm wondering if that's exclusive to Nashville, or if there are like, what other arenas you would say to avoid? Uh, well, I, I don't know that I'd say to avoid it, but it... It is exclusive. If it is, uh, maybe Vegas. That might be about... And, and Vegas is different. But they don't have like actual... They don't like, have chants, no. Yeah. They just are... It's like a nightclub. Yeah. But no, Nashville, it's, it's like you're going to a game... It's, eh, high school might be a little bit small. Maybe... I mean, some of that you'll see like in the Big Ten or mm-hmm. things like that. But it does. It's, you listen to the chants and... Yeah. Yeah, I, haven't, I haven't heard of this in an NHL game ever. And yeah, they it's have definitely gotten better. It's, it's minor fans, league. Their it's, fans it's, have gotten better, yeah. more it's, knowledgeable. Yeah. It's minor league, and I actually don't mean that as a slight. Um, like I love those games. Maybe it's because it's different than the other thirty-one arenas, but I find it very entertaining. I love their fans. Like I, I love going to those games. I love walking around the arena. I love Broadway. Like I, I just think it's a fun deviation of the boring sitting down and. In, you know, watching a game in Toronto or something. You know, like we're, like uh, I, I think it's a cool thing. But I get it. I mean, you know, a lot of times I don't really even hear it. Like, you know, I hear the whole Fang fingers. That's annoying as heck. Um, uh, but but a lot of times I don't even notice that stuff. Uh, like somebody asked me, like I remember when the Wild changed their goal song. Somebody was like, "What's the goal song?" I'm like, I don't even know if I've ever heard the goal song. Like I don't even pay attention to that stuff. So. You know when you're a sports writer and you're in a building with 20,000 people, you actually learn. It's, a, it's amazing. You learn to tune out everything because you have to write during the game and you have to concentrate. Like, I can write in a screaming loud arena. I can write with music in my ears and not be affected. But if I'm writing and there's one person talking over my shoulder, I will tell them to shut the heck up. You know, like, it's, it, I've it's seen weird. That happen. Yeah, yeah. It's usually to him. All right, I got just two last questions here. Um, what's Dean's kind of future like with the Wild? I guess I've... He's kind of a quiet guy. I haven't really heard what kind of guy he's like in the locker room. And New three-year deal. And um, so, I mean, I think he's got a, a long future, um, I think. You got to win. Yeah, you got to win. I mean, yeah, it's as simple yeah. as that. I will say, you know, you and a lot of you have alluded this. Autumn just did. Somebody else asked about the power play. Special teams will be big to, to, to analyze the coaching staff this year. If they are bottom of the league again, Bill Guerin will not be happy. Like, Bill Guerin has said that they have to coach better on the special teams. And so they are being judged that way this year. All right, and then my last topic is the Connors and I, we love Section 110 behind the net, double attack zone. Um, is there a reason why the netting is still black behind the net? Because some arenas do have the white netting. Yeah. I mean, that you was something I mean? that somebody in the arena decided. That, uh, okay, that's yeah. Dan and I's topic. Yeah. Oh, Dan, you don't like it, huh? It's tough to see. He did Dan just said, this will be a perfect way to end this podcast. Dan just said, Dan, who's the cartoon character of all time, uh, said that he'd rather have a white netting than a Stanley Cup. Yeah. I disagree with, I disagree with that comment. Yeah. Uh, Dan is a cartoon character. Last question. I guess for the record, I genuinely have never noticed the netting when I've been sitting behind the Yeah, place. I mean, that's another I wouldn't have been able to tell you what color it was. Yeah, either would I. But anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> Dan, you want a mic? Yeah. I believe you it's obtrusive, but a Stanley Cup would be better than a change in the yeah. netting color. Yeah, look at you, Dan. So, um, yeah. Don't you think that, so Johnny and Jamie are Dan's sons. Don't you think it'd be an incredible podcast if I just co-hosted with your dad? That would be a fun, fun podcast. So... Last question. So I'm just kind of curious. Uh, my buddy brought this up to me. Would you guys think it might be worth it to try to get Alex Tuck back and reinvest in him? Well, he just signed. Uh, didn't he sign long term in Buffalo? Um, you would know better than me. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. I mean, that trade was significant. You know, I was, was a in big that part trade. Of this trade. They're not trading uh, Alex Tuck here, but I, I'd be fine with that. I love the guy. Um, as, a, as a guy to, to deal with. Uh, a good player, awesome. too. Yeah, yeah, pretty good player. Um, well, this was fun. Uh, uh, can you actually uh, text me the sponsors? You got a lot of editing to do on this brand like that. We probably should pull that out of here. Um, so uh, thanks, for everybody, for coming. You know, it's funny. So I, I, I quickly uh, wrote down a bunch of um, 
questions on here because I had left. So I, I made, I, I wrote down all the questions on a pad, and of course I left it at home. So, by the way, you know what I found really interesting about that pad is it said Star Tribune on it. So I have my last thing, my last act at the Strib was to raid their freaking closet. And like I quit, and then I'm like, I gotta get about 25,000 pads. And I still, it's my, my five year anniversary of The Athletic is coming up, and I still have Star Tribune pads. You just admitted that I don't on care. the podcast. So I don't care. Brandon, do not edit that out. Yeah, don't, He's don't a take thief. that out. They, He's should a know, thief. they should know that I took a bunch of pads. I was still technically employed, you know, but I did quit. You know, but that was like my act when they told me that I was now their quote competition and that I would not get to write a goodbye story. My last story ever at the Star Tribune was a brief about Ryan Malone signing a PTO. That was my 12-year goodbye, the, uh, the Strib. So, but I love the Strib. I do. Thanks for everybody coming out. Uh, August 24th at Elsie's is our next live show. Then August 30th at Kowalski's. Definitely, definitely come on out. Thanks, as always, to our incredible sponsors. Of course, Tuttle's and, and their incredible establishments. Uh, Grain Belt. Kowalski is Bosch Law Firm, Aquarius Home Services, your local authorized dealer for Connecticut Water Treatments, Chris Lindahl Real Estate, and Royal Credit Union. Thanks, everybody, for coming on out. Thank Appreciate you. it. Give Anthony a hand. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never gonna win. Oh, but the world won't forgive a winner. In 2030, um, I don't know. I'll be writing about how the future is bright.